Today's show is sponsored by Liquid IV. Get 25% off your order by going to liquidiv.com and using the promo code REAL at checkout. Today's show is also sponsored by Policy Genius. So if you're one of the many people looking to buy life insurance right now, head to policygenius.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Real Life Podcast, where we talk about exactly that every single week, real life, which means some episodes might be about a fight we just had, some episodes might be about potty training since we have two toddlers, and some might be about eschatological realism because I love thinking and talking about deep theological things, and maybe we'll talk about all three of those in one episode. But we hope the show feels like hanging out in our living room with us, drinking a cup of coffee as we discuss faith and family and culture and Jesus. Me and my lovely wife, Alyssa, are your hosts, and don't hesitate to hit us up or reach out on social media to say hi or comment on this week's episode. Enjoy. Hey guys, Jeff here. Hey, quick note. First of all, I messed up last week and said last week would be the last rerun. Um, But after looking at the edits and, and our schedule, this is week is the last rerun. So two things on that. First of all, starting next week, when we start recording again, new episodes, what do you guys want to hear? Me and Alyssa have some really good ideas about conversations we want to have, the conversations people are having right now that we want to step into. But what do you care about right now? What's What questions are on your mind? What are you thinking about? What are the big ideas you're chewing on? Um, just, yeah, DM us, you know, on Instagram, comment on Instagram, tweet us. Instagram is usually a place you can get a hold of us or where I see almost everything. So um, just hit us there and that'd be great. And uh, secondly, this episode is the last of the reruns. That almost sounds like last of the Mohicans or something. The last of the reruns. But what I love about this episode is this is an episode we did years ago where I was really trying to um, synthesize this really dense uh, idea I got from Wendell Berry that I had been chewing on. Um, And uh, and Alyssa was just, I think, um, uh, not... Uh, um, for it. She was not here for it. So it's a really funny episode because I think it kind of shows... Uh, I think you will land in one or two spots. You will either be more like Alyssa in this episode or more like me, but I also think it's a really fun conversation to have. So I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Here we go. Hey guys, I'm Jeff. I'm Alyssa. And welcome back to the Real Life Podcast. We have a special episode for you today because this might be one of the weirdest ones we do. And this gives you a peek into my brain. This is going to be one of those episodes that this is what I think about and this is how I operate, and this is what I sit on the couch. And Alyssa can usually tell from the look on my face, like, she'll go, Jeff, what are you thinking about? And I'll usually say, oh, nothing, because I know she don't want none of this. <laughs> like, she doesn't want to hear about it. No, I do want to hear about it. It's just get ready to just be, be taken weird. out of your comfort zone, to have your mind blown. Well, I don't know if we're going to have mind blown. I just, I think weird thoughts. And I just want to see if anyone else thinks weird thoughts. These are not the thoughts I have. Let me just say. So where we're going to start, <laughs> guys, today is with plumbing. Modern plumbing plumbing, how it got industrialized, the sewer system, basically what happens when you poop and someone flushes. Now, that was a great start, right? Now, here's why. Because what we don't, what I want to talk... I mean, talk, why, can you just answer why people will actually want to listen today? Because I think the industrial the industrialization of modern plumbing and sewage is a perfect and apt metaphor for a really bad part of our culture that's the thesis of this episode okay okay so and what and we're going to bounce all around i got lots of thoughts here but what i mean by this is something fundamentally and this is actually true with a lot of industrialization you guys i have a lot of this in my next book coming out uh in like nine or ten months um we've talked about a little bit on the podcast but industrialization was not inherently evil but industrialization inherently changed a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally changed yes. how we do life. Fundamentally changed how we see the world. Now, because of that, 
there's some things that a lot of us a lot of us don't realize because this is just how it's always been done mm -hmm. for our generation the generation above yeah, yeah, yeah generation yeah. above us so this is like all we know so we don't realize that life was different before totally and one of those ways mm -hmm. is and i think why i think plumbing and sewage and industrialization of that well it brought sanity because it always brings good well it brought sanitation it brought health it brought less disease people don't die as long uh, die as early stuff like that it's amazing but there's always a dark side it's like two sides of a coin and i think one is the flip side of it's actually been a, it's really good picture now of our value system in american culture as getting out of proportion out of whack and actually too emphasized of the value being we refuse to deal with waste in front. Like we don't want waste to be in front of us. Mm -hmm. We don't want, and now as a metaphor, I'm not just talking about the actual plumbing. We'll get back to that in a second. We, one of the highest values that's actually hurting us in American culture, I believe, is we don't want to deal with hard things. We don't want to see ugly things. We don't want to see gross things and we don't want them to be near us or in front of us. And so get them as far away as possible and never think about them. Which isn't that kind of like Hunger Games? Wasn't there a part in it that they like? Well, it's a very good way of like the district, the se the, the yeah, headquarters, yeah. and then the districts of like it's very much like, yeah, that that is our. But did they put all the ugly stuff away somewhere where? I can't remember. Well, yeah, like the district was, everything was great. It was just America. It was like comfortable, yeah, totally yeah. happy. Yeah, Hunger Games is such and an indictment on our culture. And all the icky stuff was like where the outskirts was. I haven't totally. read it in so long, but which is pretty much sadly a lot of our major cities, um, yeah. just fully realized, you know, in a. Uh, Armageddon type context. Now, back to plumbing. I think why plumbing is a really good example of this is because what we don't realize is when we industrialized plumbing and sewage. Um, now, of course, there, there's a different couple dates here, but I'm going back to maybe 1800s is when we really started seeing mass industrialization of sewage and plumbing. But you can go all the way back. Like we've had plumbing and kind of in its some form and sanitation thousands of years back to the Romans. So, like, I'm not just hear me say that, but there was a level at which we industrialized it so much. And tried to get so efficient with just taking away our mess, right? If that makes sense, that it actually had a dark side to it. And that has to do with even, and of course, it has to do with the society that got replaced by an industrial society. And that's an agricultural agricultural society. Society was predominantly agricultural before it got industrialized. 1700s, 1800s, there was about three industrial revolutions, they say. So it was kind of depending when we're talking. But that 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 transition was really interesting because before industrialization when it was an agricultural society most waste that people produced was actually seen as the first step to fertility right to life now that's that's what's really interesting of and what i mean by that is like that. waste was part of the circle of life like we still do this in some way with like manure right manure mm -hmm. is like what we put on the flower beds yeah but think about that was actually like or pe like people what do they do compost and they compost put in their yeah yeah and it is coming garden. back in some sense but yeah yeah like people's actual waste was actually put back into it was an ecosystem it was a circle of life mm -hmm. and now we actually have stopped the circle and just kind of taken off a branch of the circle and just made it go outwards right so we can kill the circle here's here's a better way to put it this is a little heady what i'm about to read but this is from wendell berry and i want to just i think this will get your guys' thoughts stirring on he has a really brilliant passage that kind of talks about this and so i'll jump around but hopefully it'll be helpful he says he goes, there is another and more direct way. He's talking about the isolation of the body and how actually we've so isolated our bodies from anything that's from a lot of things that we need and from actually what the full humanness experience should be. And he says, but there's another more direct way in which the isolation of the body has serious agricultural effects. 
That is, in our society's extreme oversimplification of the relationship between body and food, by regarding it as merely a consumer of food, meaning we have now taken bodies as just consuming devices for food, Mm -hmm. rather than things that actually can put back into the earth. Like bodies are meant to work the earth, Mm -hmm. to till the earth, to give fertility to the earth through our waste. I know it's really weird, (laughs) but it's true. So he says, by regarding bodies as merely consumers of food, we have reduced the function of the body now in an industrialized society to that of nothing more than a conduit which channels the nutrients of the earth from the supermarket to the sewer. So he, that's great. That's such a good, like he basically just says like, we are just mouths that now basically just conduit things from the grocery store to the sewer like we're just a we're just a middleman now between supermarket and sewer when before bodies were actually part of the ecosystem of life he goes or we make it a little factory that transforms fertility into pollution so now again because we don't actually use our waste for fertility in life it is now just pollution so we kill the earth um, which is really really interesting which is that economic and technological interruption on the cycle of fertility And he goes, much has already been said here about the division between body and its food in the productive phase of the cycle, but it is an alleged wonder of the modern world that so many people take energy from food in which they have invested no energy themselves. Basically, like back in the day, people actually put the energy into making the food. And there was a circle of life. And now we just consume, 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 and we take the energy from food. Um, Let me jump around. Hey guys, let me take a quick break to about one of the six sponsors. That's Liquid IV. You know, a newer sponsor this year, but we love them. Now, I try to stay hydrated all throughout the day. We live in Hawaii. It's hot. We we get dehydrated. We need to drink water. Um, and I try super, super hard. But believe it or not, dehydration isn't just if you live in hot places, but it occurs daily in three out of four people. A lot of us do not get hydrated. Um, but when you are hydrated, man, it has a million different effects on your body, the clarity of mind, etc. And that's why I like Liquid, Liquid IV because they basically concentrate on hydrating you um, three times more than even just normal water. Uh, It's actually these little packs you put in water, tastes great, boosts your immunity, better sleep, um, and I just feel better after it, honestly. I usually take one right in the middle of the day, and I love it. So one serving of Liquid IV provides the same hydration as drinking two to three bottles of water alone, which is crazy. Contains five essential vitamins, um, and it makes it really effective, too, because it has cellular transport technology, what they call CTT, and it's this optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium, which delivers water and nutrients into the bloodstream. Kind of gives them these little vehicles to shoot in, right, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, and they're awesome, too. They're on a mission to change the world, so they don't donate uh, you know, millions of their own servings in response to COVID, keep people hydrated um, on the go. So, again, it's available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code REAL at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code REAL at liquidiv.com. Get better hydrated today, liquidiv.com. And it's super interesting. If you think about it, he goes, as their bodies take in and use the nutrients of the soil, those nutrients are then transformed into what we are pleased to now call wastes, but they are actually duly wasted at the same time. This waste is also also caused in way by the old religious division between body and soul by which the body and its products are judged offensive and gross no matter what. Um, and kind of like, uh, you know, that, um, what's that phrase I'm looking for, but yeah. And he goes, once living with this offensiveness was considered a condemnation and that was bad enough, but now modern technology has saved us with the flush toilet and the waterborne sewage system. These devices deal with wastes of our bodies by simply removing them from our consideration. Basically like the magic of it is just like, I never want to think about it again. 
But I never want to think about it. Again. I know. I don't. I'm not, I know. Just stick with me. It's a metaphor. It's okay, not metaphor. Okay. I'm not saying everyone hold on to your crap and put it into your your garden. That's not what I'm saying. It's, okay. a, it's a metaphor that's really really powerful. I think. The irony is that this technological purification of the body, we're like like we're afraid of our own mess. We're afraid of our own grossness. Bodies are kind of gross. Yeah. But yet they're True. holy. They're holy mm-hmm. and sacred and gross at the same time. And I think mm-hmm. that's because we're from the dust of the earth. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we have a weird, there's a weird underlying thing of us, of the grossness of the body that we actually kind of condemn ourselves and don't understand how it works. Mm-hmm. The irony is that the technological purification of the body requires the pollution of the rivers and the starvation of the fields. So he says to kind of do what we want to do and get to a fully kind of realized, almost ghostly body where we never deal with our own waste, then all we do is waste the rivers and the starvation of the fields. Mm-hmm. But when you actually deal with your own waste, then it actually goes back into the ecosystem as fertility where rivers and things are actually full of life. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm getting what you're saying. So can you... You keep talking for a sec. Well, I have nothing to say. Can you just tell me what you're getting at? Which says it makes the alleged... So if you're not saying that we... Not telling... Okay. Let me read one more, two more passages. Okay. It makes the alleged offensiveness of the body truly and inescapably offensive and blinds an entire society to the knowledge that these offensive wastes, in quotes, are actually readily purified in topsoil. That's a lot of people don't know. But waste, when you put it in topsoil, the topsoil actually is like a living organism that purifies it. Mm. Like from its like from it and sanitizes it, which is really crazy and interesting. Okay. Um, that indeed, from an ecological point of view, these are not wastes at all and are not offensive, but are valuable agricultural products essential both to the health of the land and to that of the consumers. Our system of agriculture, by modeling itself on economics rather than biology, thus removes food from the cycle of its own production and puts it into a finite linear process that in effect destroys it by transforming it into inherent waste. Like it actually, we fundamentally change how we see these things. And so it transforms food into fuel, a form of energy that is usable only once. And in doing so, it transforms the body into a consumptive machine that only destroys. Super interesting. Okay. Do you mind if we stop there? Because my brain is hurting. Okay, go ahead. Okay. And I I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I feel like I'm pretty smart, but I'm my brain the, is hurting. I'm going to bring this back around in a second, but give me can your you, first thoughts. Can I'm, you bring I want it the back meta, yeah, I want the metaphor to linger and people being, I want people to be thinking right now, what? What? That doesn't make any sense. That's okay, weird. This what is where I struggle because I'm bring I it am, I don't remember what it's called, but I'm the type of learner where I'm like, just tell me what you're getting at and then you can tell me all the details. Where Jeff <laughs> is like, I'm going to tell you all the details and, then and make end you with really it, yeah. guess and then I'm going to, okay, so my brain is really hurting. Give me some thoughts though on that. I'm just like, what do you think I'm saying? I think, okay, my key points from what you're saying is, it's true that I think, I do think that the body, there's some things in it that I like to not deal with mm-hmm. and that I think are gross. And as a mom, I deal with enough poop and, um, you know, our dog just threw up this morning. And so I do, that is convicting to realize we are made from dust and like to not be, that that's part of our humanness. Yeah. And so instead of like wanting to make that I mean, I still want to use the toilet and all that thing, totally. but just like to accept that, like, this is part of how God has made us totally. and it's not disgusting. Yes. It's like this, there's reason for this. Yes. And our, and we taking ourselves out of the proper ecosystem then actually destroys the ecosystem and us. And I'm not saying again, it's a metaphor in some sense, but here, like basically we have to deal with our waste. We have to deal with hard things. We have to deal with ugly things. We have to deal with bad things. And usually when we look straight at them, just like that purification ceremony that actually happens with waste, Mm -hmm. it can be you, it gets purified by the topsoil. Meaning like it actually, if you actually look at the waste 
and run it through a, and I'm talking metaphor. So mm-hmm. like hard things in life, okay. whatever, and run it through a purification system. Mm-hmm. Meaning like if you actually stare the waste in the face mm-hmm. and you don't actually try to just take the waste out of your life and make it never right. be seen again, right. then it actually becomes the topsoil that grows the food. Like it actually, do you know what I mean? Like it, okay. keep it yeah. in the circle. I like, okay, I get so where you're going. And, and, and I'll end with this last paragraph because Wendell Berry then ends with talking about a really good metaphor of how this has actually killed our cities. And it's no longer talking about plumbing, but he says okay. this. And then I'll talk about some of the stuff. I'm like strapping it on. (laughs) Then I want to talk about some of the stuff I want to say. He says, it is strange, but only apparently so that the system of agriculture is institutionalized, not in any form of rural life or culture, but in what we call our urban civilization. And what he's basically saying is like, this is how cities work. Mm -hmm. When you go out in the country, they actually have to deal with their waste more often from the chickens and from the cows and from this, like cities just say, just put the trash on the curb and I never want to see it again, Mm -hmm. ever. So it's like the way we do cities and urban civilization. He said, the cities subsist in competition with the country and they live upon a one-way movement of energies out of the countryside, food, fuel, manufacturing materials, human labor, intelligence, and talent. So he says, we actually, the cities actually just suck the country dry of all of their life. So now it's the metaphor for now the cities and country, Mm -hmm. meaning like the city just sucks the country dry of everything it has of value. Give us your food. That's where the food's grown, right? Give us your fuel. That's where fossil fuels are are usually at. Give us your manufacturing materials. Mm -hmm. Like that's where we get trees to build and other things. That's where we get human labor. People move from the countryside to the city to work. That's where we get intelligence and talent. Very little of this, but it it kills the circle of life because it's a one-way linear street that just wants to waste people, not actually put people in the circle of life for fertility. Very little of this energy is then ever returned back to the countryside. Instead of gathering these energies up into coherence, a cultural consummation that would not only return to the countryside what it belongs to it, but also gives back generosities of learning, art, conviviality, and order, the modern city then dissipates and wastes everything it has taken. Along with its glittering consumer goods, the modern city produces an equally characteristic outpouring of garbage and pollution, just as it produces and or collects unemployed, unemployable, and otherwise, quote, wasted people. And he says that, you know, in the sense of like, that's, it's no coincidence that some of the um, people that our society doesn't want to deal with mm-hmm. that we should love as Jesus people collect in cities. Mm-hmm. There's a weird yes, correlation okay. there. There's a weird correlation there where our view of mm-hmm. consumption and our view of just sucking every resource dry mm-hmm. actually creates waste that then we then try to kick out. Mm-hmm. It's really, really fascinating. So that's the, the that's the precursor. We're halfway in. The precursor, um, holy cow. <laughs> but I really wanted to, I wanted to read that because I think plumbing, I think that metaphor, I think the city countryside thing, I think we, we have to deal with one of our highest ideals in the West is that we refuse to look at hard things in the face, wasteful things, ugly things in the face that we're also producing by our own behavior because it's an indictment on ourselves, Mm. right? Like the homelessness epidemic in many major American cities is an indictment on ourselves. Yeah, That's because of us, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The pollution and all that is that that's because of us. and he just uses the gardening and the, the 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 plumbing as a metaphor of like, yeah, you have to understand we are not consumption vehicles. We are meant to be put in the ecosystem of fertility and life, meaning put back in what you're taking out um, or at least stare the waste in its face and deal with it. And I think it has to do with even with religious stuff, with shame, with hurt, mm-hmm. with pain. Like you got to be able to, you can't run from it. Right. You can't just put it on the curb and hope that someone's going to pick mm-hmm. it up on Thursday and it'll never show up again. Right. You can't just keep pushing it aside or... And that's one of our highest ideals in culture. I think we go so fast and so hard and we don't leave room 
to grieve, to deal with the shame, to confess. We just want to forget about it. Totally. Okay, guys, another one of this week's sponsors, and that is Policy Genius, longstanding sponsor on the show. And if you know, September is actually National Life Insurance Awareness Month. I didn't know that was a thing, but now I know that's a thing, and now you know that's a thing. Um, but with everything going on right now, I do think people are asking the bigger questions, the longer-term questions, and caring about stuff of that nature. And so, yeah, the good news is it's still easy to shop for life insurance right now, and Policy Genius helps you with that. Now, if you don't know what Policy Genius is, they basically, it's an insurance marketplace and it's built and backed by a team of industry experts. So here's how it works. Step one, you head to policygenius.com and in minutes you can work out how much coverage you need. And then what you do is you compare quotes from all the top insurers to find your best price. So it kind of aggregates all these little, um, all the best insurers and top insurers so that you can see all your options and get your best price. And then step two, you ap- apply for the one you want in the lowest price. Step three, the Policy Genius team then handles all the paperwork and all the red tape, which is really awesome. And so again, it works for you, not the insurance company. Um, and you can tell that when you go through it. And so if you hit any speed bumps in the application process, they'll take care of everything. They even have policies which allow eligible customers to skip the in-person exam and do it over the phone. Um, and it's actually earned them a five-star rating over like 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google and other places where you can read reviews. So again, if you need live insurance, head to policygenius.com right now to get started. You can save $1,500 or more a year by comparing quotes on their marketplace. Policy Genius, again, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Policygenius.com. I just don't think how hypnotized we realize how hypnotized we are with like, this is actually one of the highest ideals driving American culture. Even the way we build houses, right? Houses are all about like it looking almost fake from the inside of like everything that actually makes the house work is hidden. Mm -hmm. Everything, right? Mm -hmm. Wires are ugly. Hide those behind the walls. Plugins are ugly. Hide those so that they look pretty. Like, you know, everything that actually helps the house is actually hidden. Now, aesthetically, it's like, whatever, that's fine. I'm just saying that's it's an interesting... safe for little kids. Totally, but I'm just saying, I think, again, it's it's a metaphor or a picture of like, that is mm-hmm. our value system. Our value system is like, we don't want any ugliness in view. Mm-hmm. We don't want it in view because we don't want to have to deal with actually the things that are actually giving us something, right? And another example, here's another example I think is really helpful. In his book, Tribes by Sebastian, I think, Younger or Junger, he's... um. He, he, he draws some really interesting parallels between Israel and America with military service. So what's really interesting in that book is one of the chapters and he talks about because Israel has such a good tribal culture, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense of like just more of like a um, psychological, like they're, they're, they're one people, one, you know, eth- I mean, there's not one people, but you know what I mean? Like they're very tight knit with their culture, right. with their holidays, with how they do things more than America. And they're small countries, so they kind of have to be. And he goes, that actually is one of the sustaining powers of them in military service. And what he talks about is take PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. PTSD is an epidemic in American culture. Right. It's an epidemic, right? Like people come back from war and it's it's an epidemic. It's mm-hmm. PTSD. Is, is, it's, it's, we have no, we don't help them. We don't give them health care as much. We don't serve them. We don't reintegrate them into society as much. But nine times out of 10, if you were to ask people why they have PTSD or, or how they got PTSD or basically like if you were to try to trace the source of the problem, mm-hmm. you would say it's actually the war and the violence. You would mm-hmm. say, yeah, the war gave them PTSD. Now, that's true in some sense, right? Like war and violence, right. I think, are so dehumanizing. And we can, that's a whole nother episode about the scriptures and what Jesus says about violence and war. Mm-hmm. Um, but then obviously there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of layers there and a lot of context there. Right. But no matter what you think, it's like, it's a hard, it's hard. It's very, very, it's very hard and dehumanizing 
um, system, war mm-hmm. and violence and stuff like that. But what's interesting is Israel fights just as much, if not more, right? Mm-hmm. And and their wars. But here's what's and and and, and our PTSD numbers are like catastrophic. Like the percentages right. of people that come back from war and are d- damaged and hurt and mm-hmm. broken is high in our country. Right now, Israel has an enormously strong military as well. Very similar. They have under a two percent PTSD rate, meaning when people come back from serving in their military in active war, like we're talking like ISIS and Syria, and we're talking you know thirty, forty years ago, the six, seven day war and the Yom Kippur war, all these different like they they only two percent return mm-hmm. with PTSD. So that right there shows what it's not just the inherent war and violence that gives them, like basically makes them be able to come back and not be able to reenter into mm-hmm. society. What do you think the difference is? I have no idea. So the book, <laughs> quiz time. Tell us, Jeffrey. No, so the book has a really interesting fa- thing, and he talks about because the ugliness, quote unquote, they're talking about, is in Israel, it's right in front of them, meaning the whole mm. nation is at war. Right. The whole nation is at war. You got to go get Lucy? Okay. So you got to go get Lucy, guys. She's crying. So the point there that's really fascinating is America is one of the only countries in the entire world where we don't fight our wars here. Like when someone goes to war with us here, it's just it, because of our uniqueness of our geography, we don't fight any war here on our turf where someone crosses the border and there's a war. All, all wars are fought kind of far away. Kind of like that back to example with the trash of like, you just take it far away, disappear from us. And he goes, because of that, it then never enters into our common consciousness and view. And so we're not able to process or deal with it healthily because the nation isn't at war. It's just like, oh, those guys over there, the people in the military. And so that's a really interesting concept that it's not inherently the war on violence that brings post-traumatic stress on individuals. It's actually the lack of ability of collective tribalism and re-entry for those soldiers and the nation kind of going to the war collectively because Israel fights their wars on their turf. Their border is five seconds away, you know, from where the soldier lives with his family and his parents. And so it's collective, it's more tribal. And on top of that, they have, because of that, they have really good re-entry. They have really good re-entry, meaning like soldiers are pulled back into normal society well because of the collective ethos that everyone understands about war and violence. And again, I think that's an interesting thing. Like it, it's sad, but you see from, I think, what was it the Korean War or no Vietnam War, how much our society treated soldiers as that wastefulness again of like discard them and they're, we don't want anything to do with them and, you know, and shamed them and, and all those things that really brought some severe trauma and things in, in that society. And so, I think that's the thing we're trying. I know this is really random guys. And that's what I'm really trying to, uh, uh, but it's just something I've been processing as man. Do we have a problem or do we understand that we are one of our inherent biases as a culture and as a society is this idea of just get it out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to deal with it. Everything plumbing, military, trash, compost, our food, our spirituality, our shame. When in reality, the military example, all the way down to the agricultural example, when you actually deal with it face to face and let it basically live where you live, you let it be where you're at, then you actually, it it totally fundamentally changes the actual ecosystem of life. 
and actually totally actually it gets purified like that topsoil and then actually then becomes a tool for the next generation of life or food or crops. So yeah. Any thoughts there? You weren't ready for this one, were you? You weren't ready for this episode, were you? Well, these are the conversations sometimes that we have and I'm like, (laughs) okay. And your point was, (laughs) I mean, I don't say that. (laughs) Oh, thanks, babe. I appreciate it. I don't Um, say that. I just meant it's so heady and uncomfortable. Yeah. Can I say that? Yeah. It feels uncomfortable. Well, and here's... And I get it spiritually. I'm like, oh yeah, we need to like grieve. We need to deal with the shame. We need to confess. I just think let it... But then on a practical level of other things. Well, yeah, just think, ask yourself in your life with with the Lord, with things in your past, with things in your heart, like until it can be re, it can't be recapitulated or renewed or restored until it's actually like lives with you. That's kind yeah. of the metaphor of like it has to be right next to you and you have to deal with it. Okay, you cannot just that. put it on the curb and say, take it Thursday, right. okay. put it in the landfill. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work like that. Nothing yeah. can be buried because then it all, and then it also fundamentally changes us to consumers and consumption vehicles, mm-hmm. which I love that from supermarket to sewer, we're basically just the middleman. When 200 years ago, we were just part of the process of actually, you know, eating and then fueling and then refueling the crops through the topsoil, um, through our work, through our hands, but also through our waste. Um, okay. So then this is my other question because, you know, God says, like he's building a city. Like yeah. we, we're not necessarily supposed to stay a garden. We're supposed to become a city. And so the city is not inherently evil. It's good. Like that's where culture is made. That's where, so then how do we become a city that's holy? That's like yeah. giving good back to, you know, cause I totally. just feel like what you were talking about, what you read, it's like, we can come away thinking, oh, this city's totally well, no, bad I think, I think and we sa- should be on a farm. Yeah. No, 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 no. I think he said how to do it good. Yeah. He said you have to, it has to, um, he goes, make the country and the city not compete with each other, but actually both of them live in their giftings in, in goodness. And here's what he said. Basically, return the energy from the city to the countryside. And the way, the way, the way he said it was, um, instead of gathering those energies up and consuming them, meaning like just mm-hmm. taking from the right. countryside, he goes, instead, it should be a cultural consummation, which that's just the big word for like marriage and unification. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the countryside and the city should be married. And that would not only return to the countryside what belongs to it, but also gives back generously with its learning, its art, its order, and and all those other things. So like city creates culture, city city creates art, right, city creates right. beauty, city creates goodness. And it's saying take the resources from that and then give the countryside back, mm-hmm. right? Rather than, you know. Or give those resources to the countryside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Rather than obviously we know now, you know, every single little small business closing down every single year because the city just keeps sucking it dry or when a Walmart right, shows up right. and every business mm-hmm. shuts down, like that is that like sapping dry kind of like evil, you know, um, view of it. And and let's let's end with this, guys. I know this was a lot. Um, well, just how does it affect us? Well, I think let's today. talk about the good side of waste or the okay. other side of waste. There's another view of waste that I think is really interesting, mm-hmm. and that's the story of Jesus and the woman who breaks the perfume at his feet. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't remember. I don't remember what chapter. Mary. Or, or where that was it? Mary. Yeah. It actually did it. Okay. I think there's two Marys. Okay. So, um, but if you know the story, basically. Um, she comes and just in like repentance and grief and love and, you know, just like awe, humility, humility goes under the table and washes Jesus' feet or kind of adorns him with oil um, or perfume over his feet. Now, it's clear from the story that, that in that culture, that was about a year's worth of wages mm-hmm. for that, whatever she, whatever oil or perfume that was or fragrance, it was about a year's worth of wages. Now, that's incredibly wasteful. Right. 
like, and especially prom someone, so someone who probably didn't have that money, mm-hmm. someone who was being shamed by the people sitting up at the table above her, the religious leaders. Um, and then that's when Jesus says to those who have been forgiven much, or what, how does he say it? Then I should have my Bible right here, but it's a good story. Google it. I think there's but, two Marys. No. Yeah. But ever, if you know the story, it's yeah. It basically, he basically honors the woman and says, yes, this, she is basically acting in accordance with what she realized, how good the gift of the gospel yeah. is. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And, and and she's not stingy with her response back to me, is what Jesus is saying, mm-hmm. right? She was lavish, or in a good way, she was wasteful. Mm-hmm. And Watchman Nee, who's an author from kind of, he's dead now as church leader in China, underground pr- church of China, I think early 1900s, mid 1900s. He has a really good kind of chapter in one of his books on this story. And he actually talks about like that, that like we should be wasteful on Jesus. Mm. A lot of us are actually stingy on Jesus, right? Like we waste all these other things. We do all these other things in waste that are actually bad and actually hurt us and dehumanize us. But then when it comes to Jesus, we're like, oh, we'll give you, we're so stingy. We'll give you two minutes. We'll give you two dollars. We'll give you two seconds of our life. We'll give you just a slice of our pie. We won't let you in. He goes, actually, no, no. That that perfume or that fragrance or that oil that was spilled and broken on Jesus, that should actually be your life. Mm -hmm. You should break yourself on Jesus in a fragrant offering that's wasteful, meaning you should be, you're going to make dumb decisions according to your friends. Well, you know that because that's wasteful. People are going to say, oh, you're wasting your life Mm. following Jesus. You're, you're, that's, you know, and that's that class, the classic example of that, that people know is the, like the parent that says, you know, why would you, you know, you should go to law school or be a doctor. Why are you doing X for Jesus? Right. Right. Um, And maybe he does want you to be a doctor or a lawyer, but that's just the classic example of like, you're wasting your life. And I think that's actually the good waste of, mm-hmm. because it re-enters back into that ecosystem again of holiness and of relationship with the Lord, where then you're giving him your energies. And I think, uh, yeah. so I just think that's a really, that's a flip side to the coin of when we're talking about wastefulness, of there is one aspect of wastefulness that's really holy. And I think it's your life being wasted, for lack of a better term, on Jesus. Yeah. Meaning just like, just wasted on him. Just give it I to him. Think- it doesn't how it looks. Doesn't matter what the re- what you're going right. to get back for it. What the return on the investment is. It's the the numbers are not going to add up, right? The, right. With the with the year's wages versus what it, what it happens. So yeah, go ahead. Even just on a super small level, I think um, in a day and age where people are telling us that we have to produce, we have to perform, you have to go for it, mm-hmm. work really hard. You know, I think just with our phones and social media, we don't really have fringe hours anymore. Yeah. To we just fill up all of our time. That's, yeah, that's enough. Um, just to, to waste efficient. to waste our time, like to put away our phone, to spend fifteen minutes just being quiet or not doing anything, or just sitting and being still, or going for a walk or praying. I think in our culture that could seem like a waste. Like you could be doing something better right now. You could be catching up with someone. You know, a business, doing a FaceTime, someone, yeah. yeah, like grinding, write it out a book or whatever it is, studying, but just to actually spend time to just be still and hear from the Lord. I feel like our culture would say that's a waste instead of saying, no, that's, that's health for my soul. Mm, that's good. Guys, we're going to end on that because that is perfect of like, yeah, waste your days on Jesus where it actually feels like maybe you're wasting your time in a quote unquote way mm-hmm. where you're not being, it, it's the antithesis to efficient. Yeah. And I think we want Jesus following Jesus to be efficient, 
want it to work like a well-oiled machine when it's not a well-oiled machine. It's a it's, it's a, a year's it's a year's worth of wage that you break over his feet that is mm-hmm. deeply wasteful. Yeah. Um, in humility, in grace, and then Jesus mm-hmm. honors that back. The same thing that the woman yeah. heard in honor from Jesus from the very lips of our Rabbi Lord Jesus. He says that over you when you waste quote unquote your life on him. Mm-hmm. So guys, this was started as the most random weird episode ever, <laughs> and that was just a tease of like you can totally tweet me and say Jeff don't don't share don't don't go that deep in your head, bro. Like if that's in your thoughts, just keep it to yourself. You can tell me that and we won't we won't we won't have episodes like this again. But uh that is what I randomly think about is plumbing to agriculture to trash to this. Um but I think it was a good episode and I think we ended it well. Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, no, that's it. All right, we love you guys. Love have you a good guys. rest of the day. Let us know on social media what you thought. All right, take care.